Lift those hands if you're a child of God. One of the greatest things the Lord brought you out of when you got saved, and the devil don't want you to hear what I'm about to say, is he delivered you from the spirit of fear. I said he delivered you from that spirit of fear. Truth is power. Truth is power. And in the, in the deep south, when the Civil War was over and the Emancipation Proclamation was, was given, the slave owners knew that the slaves were free. So what they said was they don't know how to read and information don't travel down to these here parts of Louisiana and all the deep parts of the south. They said, so even though they're free, we won't tell them they're free. And many of them lived and died 30 and 40 years after the United States government had declared them free simply because somebody never told them no different. How many believers washed in the blood of Jesus battle fear and anxiety and worry and hell in their mind on a daily basis simply because the truth's out there, but the Bible never said the truth will make you free. It never said that. It said, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the enemy tries to blind us, tries to keep us from hearing truth because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody said, what you don't know won't hurt you. The Bible said that they perished for lack of knowledge. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus separated you from the power of the enemy. I don't care what you did, what you're struggling with, what's coming before you. You are free from the spirit of fear. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise right now. I feel the Holy Ghost, man, because Chelsea said something. I said, Carlene, repeat to me what Chelsea just said. And Chelsea, you were under the Holy Ghost when you said that, but did you, did you say, don't let your worry be louder than your worship? Is, it, is that how you said it? That was that was powerful. That was so powerful because th that's what I'm preaching today. And I didn't tell her what, I, what I'm preaching today. I'm preaching trumpets and tears. And that let me know we're on the right page today. Somebody give God a praise for the Holy Ghost. If you, you may be sitting, no, before you're seated, before you're seated, I'm going to take full advantage of this opportunity. Stretch forth your hands to your preacher, your Holy Ghost creature, your Bible teacher. I need your prayers. God, I believe there's an assignment on my life. I believe there's a purpose that you have for this service. Therefore, we come against every lie, every distraction, every hindrance. God, this place is holy. This time we have is holy. Let it not be interrupted by flesh, but let it erupt by your spirit. Set somebody free. Save somebody's soul. Deliver somebody that's battling in their mind, in their emotions even now. God, I believe you that before this service is over, great things will be accomplished. And for this, we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Give him the greatest hand clap of praise you've given him. Ezra chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. They're going to put that up there for me. Ezra chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. I paid, Kelly paid some money for this horn, so I'm going to use it as much as possible. But God showed me an awesome thing that if he will anoint me, I believe it's going to come out, come out right. Um, now if I can figure out where to lay that there horn right there. All right. I'm being real careful. Ezra chapter 3, beginning at verse 11, records these words. And they sang. Everybody say sang. Together. 
Now, I'd like to stop right there and tell you how important it is when we sing praises, Tina, together. How important it is when we come together, Brother James and, and Jameson, and just praise God together. There's a power in doing it together. And, of course, in praising and giving thanks unto God because he is good, uh, for his mercy endureth forever. Not for the good times, not for a few weeks, not for one chance only. But the Bible says his mercy endureth forever toward Israel and all the people shouted. Everybody say shouted. With a great shout. And when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. So you got one group shouting, saying God's up to something. Then you got another group crying because they remembering how it used to be. Verse 13, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. I wanna preach a little while today from the subject of trumpets and tears. Trumpets and tears. And before I get into my main sermon today, my mom was in Wednesday night service and I believe the Holy Ghost did some special things in that service. And mom said, Barry, that was a Sunday morning message. You need to preach some of that again. And when she said that, that lit up something in me, Adam. And you know, I used to preach three times on a Sunday. Now I only preach once on a Sunday. So I think I can throw everything I got into one service and I think y'all are tough enough to take it. So is it okay if I just give it everything I got? Just one service, I give y'all everything that I think God's put in me by his grace. I want you to know there's a devil running around the church. There's a devil running around families. There's a devil running around your mind. And I hate to brag on the devil. I ain't bragging on him, but there's a devil named discouragement. I've seen discouragement make many people draw back from the great things that God has in their life. Because one of the things we've done as we failed at in the church is we failed to tell people that when you start a work for God, you will face discouragement. Young people, when you give your heart to the Lord, there will be seasons that the enemy will lie to you and make you think you ain't having fun like all your other friends. And this praising God doesn't matter. And why are you at church instead of not on the back roads, on the tailgate, at the party? The enemy is a master of discouraging. He'll discourage that mother who's standing in the gap for her family. And he'll say, praise to him all you want to. Your child is always gonna be addicted. To that father who's trying to hold his family together the enemy will whisper to you you coming to church does not matter I have seen the enemy of discouragement drive out many a good men and women of God and get them to fall short from all the blessings that God has in their life but I've been in this thing long enough to know Chelsea that the louder the enemy gets that means the closer that you are so if any of you have heard his roar I need you to give God a praise right now because God just dropped me by to tell you, you are closer now than you have ever been. Somebody say, I'm close. 
But I've seen that discouragement come, and he'll tell you, oh, you go ahead and praise God. Your kid will always be an atheist. You go ahead and praise God. Your family will never be a saint. I want to tell you about two men, two totally different tales. Both men lived on the same earth at the same time. One of them was named Jonathan Edwards. He was a fireball preacher. He loved God with everything he had. He prayed, and he took it serious. He wasn't a Christmas and Easter only Christian. He wasn't a CEO. He wasn't in the secret service. He was such a man of God that when he walked into a room, you could feel the presence of God. He would pray. He would study. He would read the word of God. Not only did he love God, he loved people. And he wanted everybody that he could. He wanted to reach them and bring them to heaven. And he would preach fiery messages. I mean, y'all think I get, y'all get, I get loud. He would preach a message that is world famous. It was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And though we may not agree with all of his theology, I don't believe we serve an angry God. I believe we serve a happy God. I believe Jonathan Edwards had a heart for God. And I believe he took the knowledge that he had at that time and he did something that made a difference. And I thought, how many times did the enemy visit Jonathan Edwards and say, what you're doing doesn't matter? How many times would he be preparing for that sermon and somebody would say something mean about him or somebody he, he loved so much would hurt him and things wouldn't be going good? Maybe he would be struggling with battles in his mind he couldn't tell anybody about but Jonathan Edwards stayed true even though he fought discouragement you say Barry how do you know he fought discouragement because he lived on this planet and the Bible said there's no temptation taking you but that which is common to man but even though Jonathan Edwards fought discouragement he served God to the day he died and let me tell you what came from his lineage one vice president one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical college, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 preachers, and 285 college graduates, all because Jonathan Edwards said, I believe serving God matters. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're not just serving God for you. You're serving God for your family that even generations after you, there's a blessing that shall follow. There was another man, John, that lived at that same time. He didn't have the same persuasion as Jonathan Edwards. He had a name that lets you know, man, an interesting name, Max Jukes. That sounds like a modern day rapper bust a cap in you, you know, Max Jukes. Max Jukes said, there ain't no God. Max Jukes said, I'm going to do what I want to do. Max Jukes said, I'm going to be evil and I ain't going to worry about it and I ain't going to waste no time serving God. They got to studying in the jails in England. There were 42 people that were related and they were related all to this one man named Max Jukes. They began to study his family lineage and out of this godless man that caused the state so much problem and caused so much pain, out of his family there were seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 350 paupers, 440 physically wrecked by addiction family members, and 300 of his descendants died prematurely. All because he said there is no God. We failed to teach this generation the benefits of serving God. 
And just as surely as there are benefits to serving God, there are battles that the enemy will throw before you to try to get you to draw back. And many times you're fighting the way you fight, not even because of what God wants to do in you, but because of what he's going to do in your grandchildren. So if you've been battling discouragement, I need you to give God about a 10-second praise and let's drive that devil out of this church, out of your life. Father, we praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. God, you are good. God, you are good. Trumpets and tears. The Bible said that the temple had been torn down. God's people had been brought into bondage, into captivity, fought great battles. But God is always a God of restoration. It was God that said the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. You need to hear me because that's God's word to you today. That God says no matter how it used to be, how it's going to be is always greater if God is in it. Mm. I'm going to say this right now. That's why the Bible said judge no thing before it's appointed time. We abort the process because we can't get over where it started or we can't get over where it used to be. But the Bible says don't judge anything in its infancy stage because by the time God's done with it, it's going to blow you. What I'm trying to tell somebody is I may not be everything I should be, but I got to praise God I ain't what I used to be and he's still working on me. Do I have anybody in here that's just thankful that God is still working on you? If God ain't working on you, I need you to pray for me. I need to drop the mic and let you pray. But God, I'll tell you, God is still doing a work on this preacher. You're looking at me funny. God's still doing a work on your hind end too. He's he working on all of us. The Bible said they built the foundation because there was a group of people that believed God was in restoration. I want you to know today that the God I serve, he is a God of restoration. Uh, somebody just told me one time he's a God of a second chance. No, he's not. He's the God of another chance because I've needed more than two. If I got any real Christians in here, God is the God of another chance. Somebody, his mercies are new every morning. So when you woke up this morning, God said, I got a brand new chance to let you serve. There was a group of young people, a remnant that built up uh, the foundation. It's like when we poured this concrete for the church in late December. It was the warmest winter there had been in over 100 years. Don't tell me God don't have a plan. It was either two days before Christmas or two days after Christmas that the foundation of this church, the concrete, was laid. The foundation for the temple was laid. And all of a sudden, the Bible said there was a group of people. All of them at first was praising God. That's what the Bible said. They got this horn. You know, I didn't know this thing worked. I didn't. And uh, somebody left me something in my office. I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, I love you. Thank you for leaving me that cleaning kit and that manual that this works. Now, I'm going to try to make this work. And if y'all laugh at me, I don't blame you. That sounds like an elk that just got shot by Remington 7 Mag. But this thing will make it in the proper hands and placed in the proper mouth. This thing will let out a sound that will rattle this church. In the Bible, when the people of God were going to celebrate, they never went to celebrate without the horn. 
they always broke out the trumpet and in their hands will be the trumpet. And that trumpet was a sign that I'm going to praise God for what he has done. And I'm going to praise him because he's getting ready to do something that I have not seen and ear hath not heard. Is there a trumpet in your heart today that praises God? Is there still a praise in you? There were a group of people that were praising God, but somehow the text got messed up because these people that were praising God, they had no point of reference. They had never seen the temple in its first glory. They only had expectation of what God was going to do. So they had trumpets in their hands. But there was another group of people that they, instead of getting with the party and getting with the program, they started, oh, <laughs> they started tears. So on one hand, you got a group of people that got trumpets in their hand. And then right beside of them, they're standing people that got their hankies in their hand and they're crying. You got trumpets and tears in the same service until eventually the tears and the crying started mingling with the sound of the praising to where the Bible said that they couldn't tell the difference if it was a funeral or a celebration because of the mixture. Would you put up that scripture I gave you in First uh, Corinthians? Let's see, First Corinthians fourteen eight. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? Now let me try this again. If you laugh at me this time, it's gonna hurt my feelings. That right there, just like that. That meant it's a call to war. An enemy's coming. See, that trumpet was an alert. And when they heard that, there's somebody in here got the pipes to blow on this thing that you could actually make some noise. But when the people of God heard that, they said, get your swords, get your spears, an enemy's coming. But if they went, that meant it's party time. That meant God has done something. That meant our greater days are ahead of us and not behind us. But the problem is, what do you do when the trumpet's making a sound? But you can't distinguish if it's good news or if it's bad news. You come to church, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Good news. Then the next sentence, they say something that totally obliterates the first sentence. And it's an uncertain sound. There's an uncertain sound released in so many bodies of Christ. The Bible says it talks about division. It talks about the spirit of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And these people, they were weeping because of what God had done. And see, one of the greatest hindrances to what God is getting ready to do is people that can't get over what God used to do. Don't ever look at your history more than you look at what God is taking you into. I'll prove this. I'll prove this in the natural. Donetta teaches young children. I've got many teachers in here, and we thank God. Give our teachers a hand clap, man. If you go to a, a nursery or a preschool or a middle school or an elementary school or even high school, I don't know about high school now, it's, it's changed. But if you go to those schools, those kids are talking about, man, when I get out of school, we're going to go throw rocks at the train. I hope that ain't what you're saying, but I, I'd say it's happened. Or, man, when I get out of school, we're going to ride our bicycles. No, they don't ride bicycles no more. Man, when I get out of school, I'm going to play my Xbox. When I get out of school, mom's going to do this. When I get out of school, it's always, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be this. They're talking about something ahead of them. 
humans in young form. Now you go to the nursing home. And they don't say, man, next week they're throwing us a party and we're going to have a good time. They're not talking about something that's going to happen five years down the road. If you sit with them at their bedside, what are they talking about? They're talking about what happened when they were 20. What happened when they were 10? And have you ever noticed, if you ask them, hey, who come by yesterday? Nine out of 10 times, they can't tell you. But exactly, a lot of times nobody. And every day has become a blur because nothing's happening. So what does their mind do? It refers back to the times in life that were happy, that they had things to look forward to and things to go to. Here's when you can tell when you're you're dying spiritually. When you begin to look more at what God used to do, then praise God for what he's getting ready to do. I just want to tell somebody the devil's been lying to you. God's best work is not behind you. It is ahead of you. The glory glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. Notice, here's what amazed me. It, it, it would be like, it would be, come here, Bobby. I trust Bobby not to get mad at me. Me and Bobby, we're looking at this rock. It was given to me, or actually it wasn't given to me. I just took it from a guy that used it. I roll like that. Your pastor is saved, but I got some redneck gangster in me took this rock and I said it'll look good there and it stayed there for a long time. It's probably time to move it but I like it. Me and Bobby looking at that rock. Say to me that rock represents God's steadfastness. God's stability. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I look at that rock and I begin to praise God and I break out my trumpet and I'm like woo! This rock fires me up. But my friend Bobby looking at the same rock And he starts crying because it reminds him of a tombstone. It reminds him of death. Notice, we're both looking at the same rock, y'all. It ain't the rock. It's how we're looking at it. God told me to tell somebody, it ain't what you're looking at. It's how you're looking at it. You're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it like a defeat. God said, no, that's just an occasion for me to give you another victory. Everybody else saw Goliath as an enemy. David said, he's my opportunity to be lifted up. God said, I'll make your enemies your footstool. It ain't what you're looking at, baby. It's how you've been looking at it. Throw down your handkerchief, pick up your trumpet and give God some praise. Perception is everything. The enemy will alter your perception. Now, y'all gonna be my therapist. Have y'all ever went through a time so tough that the enemy messed with your imagination? You ever, look how common that is. Did you know, that's why the Bible says, casting down imaginations. In every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. When the enemy tells you you ain't going to make it, cast down that imagination. That word cast down in the Greek, oligae, it implies getting a sharp sword and putting it in someone's back and driving them out of your presence. And if they refuse to be driven out and they stop, that sword will pierce through them. So God was saying, when those lies of the enemy come and try to captivate your imagination about your future, God sent me here to tell you, he's given you the power to drive out those lies of the enemy and begin to praise God for the truth. 
of who he is. We all go through mind games. We all go through battles. You've heard me preach it time after time. The biggest battle you'll ever fight, it ain't out there. It's in here. And if you roll something around in your mind long enough, the enemy can make a mountain out of a molehill. That's what my mom Pauline used to say. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Here's what God said, and I felt led to share this with you today. He told the Corinthians, he said, to the God that hath delivered us and is delivering us and shall deliver us. Notice that's in three parts. He said, I want to remind you of everything God already got you out of. See, some of you would have a lot more faith this morning if you weren't looking at your problem, but you were remembering all the other problems God's brought you out of because he didn't bring you out of all that to let you have a nervous breakdown now. I need about 10 people to give him a praise. I need somebody that needs something from God to give him a praise right now. Notice it come in three stages. He hath delivered us. He is delivering us. Even as I'm preaching to you, God's delivering you from stuff. He's stripping lies off of you. He's causing faith to come alive in your heart. God don't just deliver you one time. It's a continual process of delivering you from all the junk and all the lies that we have to fight through this daily life. That's why we need church. And he said, not only has God delivered me, not only is God delivering me, whatever the enemy's put up ahead of me, my God shall deliver me. He didn't say he might do it. He was saying no matter what the enemy throws at me with God on my, let me say it this way, no weapon formed against you shall prosper he never said it wouldn't be formed but he said it would not win you ought to give God some praise for that about right it ain't going to take you out I'm preaching to people that have been battling principalities, powers the rulers of the darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in high places private battles, secret struggles the things you don't talk about on a Sunday morning worship service I speak to that dark spot in your life that struggle in your mind and I declare to you God is delivering you even now God will not let you succumb to the plan nor the attack of the enemy your greater days are not behind you but yes they are ahead of you 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says this God has established, anointed and sealed his people that's all past tense that when you came to this altar God said I established Dwayne as my child I will seal him and I will anoint him with the Holy Ghost I want you to know that when you got saved you done been established in the kingdom of God your past cannot knock you out of it and God gave an anointing with your name on it and then he put a seal on you and said devil you can't touch him you ought to give God a praise about right now that's why he said you are hidden with Christ in God do I need to slow down am I I kicking it out too fast I'm afraid I'm spitting too much too fast and I promise I'm not that caffeinated I'm just Holy Ghost regenerated right now the Bible says we are hidden Chris with Christ in God That's what the Bible said. The enemy can't just roll up on you. The Bible teaches that he can't just, the enemy can't just touch you. The battle is in our minds. He can whisper to you. He can lie to you. But there's no weapon greater than the word of God. The only offensive weapon in our arsenal is the word of God. When Jesus was in the wilderness and everything around him testified against the thing God put in him. 
He never said, you stink, Satan. I've been around people, Cindy and JR, not y'all, y'all, y'all didn't do it. Now I can see JR doing it, but you ain't done it yet. They was mad at the devil. And it's like, if the devil was here, I'd whoop his butt. Except they used another word for it. One time we was in this service, and this person, they got so fired up, man, they started cussing the devil. Good heart, just no sense whatsoever. God looks over these things. But you don't fight the devil by cussing him out. For though we live in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds ain't up over cities. The strongholds are the lies you've believed in your mind. Mm, I feel some preach coming in. A stronghold is a lie, Jeremy, that the devil gets us to believe about ourselves. That the devil gets us to believe about God. And God said, I'm giving you the power to pull down all those strongholds. Any stronghold, any lie, the enemy has whispered to you. One of my favorite preachers or Bible teachers, Rick Renner, when he was a young boy, his teachers called him stupid. Uh, he had this one teacher who had his dad and didn't like his dad. So when she had him, she said, class, from this day forward, his name will be stupid. And that's what they called him every day of that class. He had no friends in that school and his name, according to them, was stupid. They told him he did bad on the job placement test and that he could never have a job or he could definitely never do anything that really made a difference and just to be satisfied with that. And you look at that and you look at him now, he speaks to nations and writes books and he's brilliant. Don't you see the attack of the enemy? The enemy wasn't fighting Rick according to where he was. He was fighting Rick according to where he was going. I speak by the Holy Ghost. The enemy has not been fighting you based on where you've been but he sees where God is taking you that's why the devil used that teacher to try to break your spirit that's why the enemy used that family member to try to break you down because he sensed that something in you was greater than anything around you and I've come to say lay down the tears pick up the trumpet and begin to praise God again looking at the same thing Say that rock is my life. And everybody that was mean to me, blah, 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 I could look at that and I'd be like, ooh, that was tough. That was rough. Tears. Or I can say, look at everybody. God proved wrong. <laughs> look at every time. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. Look at every time the devil told me I was going to lose my child. Look at every time he said your family ain't going to make it. Your best days are behind you. But here we are 27 years later still standing in the house of the Lord. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Somebody give Jesus a praise. As Chelsea begins to play, I won't go wrong, long, but I, won't, I want to be strong. I might go long. It's my church, and I'll preach if I want to. God starts in the dark. The reason a lot of us are struggling right now is we see no evidence that God is moving. If you go to Genesis, did you know that God said the night and day? He didn't start it with day and night night and day did you know 
that at 12 o'clock midnight, it's still as dark or darker than it was at 11 o'clock. But it's a new day anyway. Even though it's still dark, it's a new day because God said that's when the new day begins. So your new day, you say, well, when I see the light, I'll know my new day's upon me. No, your new day's upon you because God sets an end to the darkness. A new day is upon you right now because God has been working in the night season of your life. At midnight, you stay up till midnight. I don't recommend it, but imagine you did. As soon as that clock strikes 12, no matter what anything says, no matter how dark it is outside, it's a new day. God sent me here to tell somebody, I don't care what's going on around you and how dark it seems, it is a new day breaking forth on your life. That's why the Bible said at midnight. Somebody say at midnight. That's why the Bible said at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They said it still may be dark. I can't see no change, but they knew something about the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. And as soon as it struck midnight, they said, I'm in a new day. You ought to give God a praise if you believe. I'm in a new day. Yeah, I've been crying battles. Yeah, I've been fighting devils. Yeah, I felt like quitting, but I I'm in a new day. I'm going to hold on to my trumpet. I'm going to give my God a praise for I'm in a new day. I got anybody wanting to step into a new day. Then you ought to be giving him a praise about right now. Hey. Hear me somebody. One can chase a thousand. Two can put 10,000 to fly. It would be like if I was by myself in that cell, I'd have enough power to mess with a thousand demons. But if God sucked me in there with Bubba, we got the power to blow 10,000 out of there. That's why the enemy hates it when we all get on the same page. That's why you had half a crowd blowing trumpets and the other half was blowing the nose. That just come to me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'll blame it on him if you didn't like it. But when me and Bubba come together, things begin to shift. What happens if y'all come in agreement with us because Bubba's father is 80 years old today. Y'all to give God a hand clap of praise for that. Carlene, come. Pastor Bobby, get the anointing oil. In two days, Bubba's father, and I've known this family my whole life, Bubba's father's gonna have a major surgery. It wouldn't matter if he was 18 or 80. Major surgery, there's a nerve on his neck. I want you to stretch forth your hands to Bubba right now. Yes, you put that on that prayer cloth.
I'm answering your prayer for your father. But I'm also answering the prayer you're about ready to quit praying for your health and your well-being. There is a part of you that has given up on complete health. There's a part of you that said, Lord, this is just the way it is. And I, and I still love you, Lord. And you've become okay with that. But God says glory is coming to your temple, your body. God says, yes, I shall move for your father. But I shall move for you, my son. For your better days are not behind you. But behold, there are generations that have come forth from you that need you. In the name of Jesus, Dwayne, he's not only moving for your daddy, but he's moving for you. He's not only moving for your precious father, he's moving for you. Strength, strength to his body. We command this blood to flow properly. We command this pain to go. God, I believe you to move from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. God, I've seen him praise you with tears in his eyes. I've seen him hold up a trumpet when he felt like laying down and crying. God, I thank you that you honor the praises of your people, your children. Everybody stand to your feet in this place right now. Sure, I feel something. Chelsea and Brennan, Ronnie and Kevin, Jasmine, I feel something. Because I'm going to be honest with y'all. Sometimes it ain't you got some people over here with the trumpet and some people over here with the hanky. Sometimes those two emotions are locked in one person. And there's a part of me that says, yeah, God, I'm praising you. It's going to be okay. But there's a part of me laking that says, is it ever going to get better? And I'll come to church on Sunday and I'll, but I'll lay on my bed Monday night and say, God, when's it going to end? I found out that the two emotions can be tri trapped in one person. And I preach to people right now that love God. And you know what it's like to praise God, but you have areas in your life. I don't care how tough you are, how spiritual you are. Jamie knows. Rachel knows there are things in our life that will make us weep. I've had people say, if when I die, I don't cry at my funeral. I told my kids, I said, when I die, if you don't cry at my funeral, I will pop up out of that casket and whoop your hind in. There are things in life that will make you cry. But weeping may endure for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. I said joy is coming in the morning. Your joy, your victory, your break in the Holy Ghost. It's coming in the morning. Somebody give God a prayer. Addie Lane, it's going to come in the morning. It ain't always going to be like that. I need some people right now, some honest people that say, Preacher, I praise God, but I've been crying some tears. And right now, here's the situation. Here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take your trumpet.
bury it underneath your disappointments, underneath your questions, underneath the, why didn't this work out? Why didn't that happen? God said, it's time to dig through your disappointment. Dig your trumpet out and hold it up. God sent me to talk to people that's got a trumpet in one hand and a hanky in the other hand. God said he understands, but it's time to break forth and realize that your, your glory of the next house is greater than anything God has done up until this point. God is trying to take your mourning, your crying, and turn it into dancing. God is trying to take you from being bent over like this to say, Look what the Lord has done. I wish I had me some tongue-talking people that wasn't ashamed to say, I've been fighting a battle. I've been crying some tears. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody ought to give God a prayer. These altars are open. The Holy Ghost is moving. It's time to elevate the trumpet. It's time to lift up the sound of victory. I thank God I don't stand alone. I stand on the strength of good friends like Bobby and Amy, Veronica, Brandon Hay, Taylor, men and women of God that have surrounded me, Micah, Joanna Stevens, looking out there and seeing Shauna Wise, praising God. We all need each other. We all need each other. You ain't in some battle that somebody else in here ain't already been through. I don't care how it looks. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Others, I'm giving you time to come right now. I feel the Holy Ghost doing something holy, doing something special. You need to come right now. Don't let your trumpet be buried. I know, dig through what they said about you. Just dig it out of the way. Dig through what, what didn't work. Just, just dig it out of the way. Just keep on digging till you find that trumpet. And say, I'm going to praise him again. I'm going to praise him just like Chelsea said. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship. It may not change what I'm seeing automatically, but it'll change what I'm saying. It may still look dark, but God said for me to tell you, he sets an end to the darkness. This darkness is dissipating and the light is breaking forth. If you've been battling discouragement, depression, spirits of suicide, you need to run to this altar right now. God is throwing you a lifeline of hope. If you feel like you're on your last leg, you need to run up to this altar right now. This is a Holy Ghost servant. If you if you feeling it right now and you say, I need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, I shouldn't have to come back there and beg you. You ought to run up there and say, preacher, I want everything that God Almighty has for me. This altar's open. Worship the Lord as we pray.
every head bowed, every eye closed. If the Holy Ghost moved like this and I didn't do an altar call, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vex myself. God ain't going to vex me, but I'm going to be aggravated at me. Because I sense the Spirit of God in this place. And the number one function of the Holy Ghost is to lift up Jesus and draw people unto him. The Bible says it this way, no man can even come except the Spirit of God draw him. I sense the drawing presence of the Holy Ghost. And Donetta, don't you go nowhere. I want to pray for you, girl. But I sense the Holy Ghost drawing on people right now. And you say, preacher, I could never praise God. I'm buried under sin, under shame, under guilt. Oh, you ain't buried under nothing that the blood can't get through and pull you up out of. That's how powerful the blood is. If you're in here and you say, preacher, I need to be saved or rededicate my life to the Lord. If that's you, would you lift that hand to where I can see it right now? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else that'll raise a hand? Anybody else? Sis, I want you to know something. The devil lies to you. He lies to you because you are so precious in the kingdom of God. When you gave your heart to the Lord two weeks ago, it took. It took. God is with you. You are his daughter. And the enemy, he comes at you and he throws all this stuff to try to make you feel like you ain't saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we're going to settle it once and for all so you ain't never got to worry again. I want you to just throw up both your hands right where you are. And I just want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I call upon you. Save me. Lord Jesus, I confess you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, every time the devil tells you you ain't saved, you bring him back to this moment and you call him a liar. And there's somebody else right now. I know the Holy Ghost is moving. You need to come to this altar right now. You say, preacher, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. That's why you're here. Because God is trying to get you into the right place. But you have to respond to God. You have to respond to God. God gave you a free will. You're not a robot. That's why your praise matters. When the cherubim and the seraphim praise him, they have no option but to praise him. But when you praise him, God says, they're praising me because they want to. If you're in here right now, last, last altar call. But if you say, preacher, I need to be saved, rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you lift that hand to where I could see it right now? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. This altar's open. I'm going to pray with Donetta. If you need prayer, come up here. As Chelsea sings, the Spirit of God is still moving.
you'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Hey, you guys can be seated real quick. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead. They're getting their buckets ready. What we're going to do is go ahead and do our December $1 offering because, uh, what is today? December the 12th? What's that? 13 days? you got like 12 days to get that shopping done. Men, amen. <laughs> if you're like me and probably Kenny of our staring a hole through me right now going, yeah, but I ain't went yet either. Y'all ought to give the Lord one more hand clap for this $1 that you're going to give that's going to help some kids out. What we take our $1 offering up for is I know Amy and Carlene in the schools, they make sure all the kids that may not have anything for Christmas have something for Christmas. And I think it even goes beyond the schools, some, don't it? We take care of the church. We take care of the schools. We, we do all that we can do to make sure that, that the kids out there that may not have a Christmas does have a Christmas. So if you feel like you want to give more than a dollar today, go ahead and give that $500 gift if you want to give it because it's going to something great. These kids... I know I, I've been raising kids now for 25 years, and every time they get older, man, it's something bigger, better, faster, or something. And uh, so, you know, it's tough out there when, you, when you're trying to uh, make sure your children have something. So you're going to help a family out today. Amen? Amen. You ushers, come on. We're going to pray over it as you guys are getting your money ready. God, I thank you, Father, for a church of givers, God, that makes sure the community around them that we know, Father, that we have been born for a time such as this, to give, to be generous, Father, because you're the giver of all givers, Father. Without you, we wouldn't have nothing anyway. So, God, I thank you, Father, as we give into this offering, Father. Look, may you bless some children. May you bless some families. May it be running over, God. In Jesus' name we pray in the city set. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, as they're giving, I want to go ahead and, and tell you, man, you ought to give the Lord one more hand clap for that kind of sermon right there. Aren't you? Amen. 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 I'm going to pray one more time, and if as you give, you can go ahead and leave, and you're dismissed. God, I thank you for what you've spoken into our spirits this morning. And God, when that noise may come, Father, that tries to discourage us, Father, or push us back, God, remind us of this sermon right here, that we're going to lift our horn of victory, Father. And God, that no matter what, Father, we know that you're on our side. You're before us, and nothing can be against us. In Jesus' name we pray, and the city said, amen. You guys are dismissed.